0: Romans 6 20 the Bible says for when you were the servants of sin you were free from righteousness and I'll say this at the onset of the message uh, you will never never I will never be able to offer acceptable service unto God if we remain taskmasters if we remain under the taskmasters of Egypt. Now, God set them free to serve, so they were free to serve him. They escaped the bondage that they were in. So just keep that in mind. Uh, First Peter 4, you don't turn there, but it talks about we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings. And then it says abominable idolatries. That's what we were. That's how we walked. In abominable idolatries. And I'm just telling you. We're good at looking at things and saying. Oh that's an idol. Physically seeing them. You know what a lot of our problem is as Christians. Our hearts full of abominable idolatries. We would never put up a golden calf, But our heart can surely be full of them. Romans 6.20 says. For when ye were the servants of sin. We don't serve the idol of self anymore. We don't serve the idolatry of who we are. We're free to serve Christ. The Bible talks about 1 Corinthians 15, dying daily, being not deceived, awaking to righteousness, and sinning not. This is the whole theme of Romans. We're not called to sin, we are called to We already answered all that question. Oh, we're under grace. Should we sin? We already addressed all that. Now the chapter's closing out. For when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Look at verse 21. What fruit had ye then? The only good fruit of being unsaved was in connection to looking at your salvation. (laughs) That was about the only good thing that could come from being unsaved would be the future Condition In those things whereof Ye are now Now, right now As a saved person This is who that's being written to Now are, You are now ashamed Are you truly ashamed Of your sinful life Of your past life Right now You should be I am Well what did you do I'm not telling you what I did I'm ashamed of it. And that's a good thing. I understand we give our testimonies and someone talks about, look, I was involved in this type of life, or that type of life. And then, you know what we do? We leave the details alone. Why? Because we're ashamed of it. That is a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm telling you, somebody that doesn't lose the shame of their sin, the shame of who they are, that's a problem. We don't joke about sin. We don't look to dig up dirt about a saved person in their past when they were unsaved and now try to bring that to light and write a blog and do a YouTube video and and do an announcement uh, around the town. Who does that? The fake news and, the, and, the, and this lost and dying world does that, but not us as Christians. We hear the word shamefacedness. We should be ashamed of the sin that we've committed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about, the gospel. Unsaved, I wasn't ashamed to sin. Sign me up. You as an unsaved person, same thing. Unless you got saved, you've been blessed enough to be brought up in church. Your parents aren't going to allow you to sin till you get old enough and you can sign up for it on your own, which they would not recommend, nor would I recommend for you. Why do you think God wants us to be ashamed of our past? So we don't repeat it. We don't repeat it. And if you're not ashamed, you know what we'll do? We'll just go back to it. That's how they call it, backsliding. Mm -hmm. The only real fruit that comes out of an unsaved life is talked about here in Romans chapter 6. Shame and death come from it. Someone, t- you, you start witnessing to somebody, you're talking about sin, they start bringing up their sin. You don't need to chase that rabbit too far. <laughs> All right, we've established the fact that you're a sinner. Now get them to the Savior. We got enough bad news in our life. You know, people that are always concerned about somebody else's sin. Uh, the news about somebody else, you know what that tells me? They're insecure about who they are. They've got some personal insecurities and it's coming out in that. It's a shameful thing. Well, I didn't live that bad. That's pride. <laughs> and you compare yourself to somebody else. Yeah, you might not live that bad. but You might want to kind of start looking up instead of looking around. As compared to God, we've got no no bragging no bragging rights. Uh, we're in Romans six, look at verse twenty one again. The Bible says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. James one says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I preach against all the lustful music. I preach against all the lustful banners and billboards. I preach against all the lustful uh, music, all that. I'm against all that. I got no interest in it. I hope you don't have any interest in it. You know what James one talks about? Your own lust. What's in your heart? Well, it's not a dirty picture. That doesn't mean it ain't lust. If you're lusting after something else that has taken the first place, that has taken priority in your heart over God, that's a lust. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. If you want to sum up the way lost people live, that's about as clear as a verse as it can get. Lust, enticed, conceived, sin. Brings forth death. Or what fruit had ye then? And those things were of your now shame. For the end of those things is death. Sin always ends in death. Look at verse twenty-two. Bible says, "But now, that's right now. Our condition is saved people being made free from sin and become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness. You see that beautiful contrast of what we are now compared to the negative? It's a beautiful thing. And the fruit being issued is holiness. Hebrews 12 talks about follow peace with all men and holiness. That's what our goal should be. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Second Corinthians chapter number seven. Bible says in verse number one, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of god well what does perfecting holiness mean it means it's not one sided because when you look at the text this is why it says flesh and spirit see that cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh well i can i can clean up the outward and just do a one sided and that's not what it says only it says And spirit We don't want a one-sided Fleshly external cleanup That's not holiness Perfecting holiness is both If your heart is truly Given over to God what, What do we say Out of that should outflow The externals It doesn't work the other way around Go to Ephesians chapter Number four Ephesians chapter number four We all know this verse. The Bible says in verse 24 in Ephesians 4. And then you put on the new man. That means we've got new thoughts. We've got new motives. We sing new songs. We have new friends. It's. New enjoyments, new new dispositions, all of that comes apart with the new man, which after God is created, watch this, in righteousness and true holiness. The outside man and the outside woman is the only thing people can see. We went through this so many times. We know Christ liveth in me, right? Christ liveth in you. We have the indwelt Holy Spirit. What has been regenerated? What has been renewed? Our hearts. It starts. That new man starts inwardly. And whatever we put on or whatever we participate in outwardly should be in connection to and directly related to the new heart that we have, the new man that we have. Does that make sense? A Christian shouldn't have malice in their heart against another Christian. It has to connect together. Or... How do you describe someone who's a hypocrite? Who's a hypocrite? You describe that person by saying... No, they're just putting on. They're just putting on a show. We've all said that phrase in one way or another. What does that phrase mean? It means that lost people and saved people both can recognize, look, that guy's just doing something external. His motive is not internally connected. And so what do they say? That guy's just putting on a show. God help us that that's not us. Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verse number 3, Bible says the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior, the aged women likewise to what? Well, the verse 2 talks about the aged men, we're going to make application to both the men and the women the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. We This has been lost in our culture. This has been lost in our churches. You can walk into what's supposed to be a church building and just the way that it's staged, just the way that people talk, just the way the messages come across, you would think to yourself, Where's the holiness? May I remind you again that holiness is what we are called, is how we are called to live in thought, in word, and deed. Not false accusers. Not given a bunch of wine, teachers of good things. Who's the accuser? The devil. The devil is. And we need, we, need to, we need just to be careful. Whatever that deviled egg is that you're coming up with in your mind and you're deceiving in your heart, it hasn't hatched yet. But when it does, we're back to that James passage. It's going to bring forth sin and death. We need to be careful of being false accusers. All of us. You know what we should replace it with? Esteeming others. The guy or girl seeking a name for themselves is already (laughs) half-hung. We are. Because it's about us. And self-deception, all that pride, we're just half home. It's just a matter of time until that thing brings forth death. Our fruit, our behavior in Titus 2 matters. Holy behavior matters. Forget about the false accusers. Forget about all those bad things. We should have our behavior as becometh holiness, both men and women. What is going into your ears tomorrow? And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And what is going through your eyes during the week? Because if you are sin-soaked in Hollywood, if you are sin-soaked in the fashions of Hollywood and the worldview of the music industry, that is not behavior that is holy. And the, mo- and the money that people are p- paying for all of these ungodly movies. Just take all that money. Give it to us and put missionary in the memo of the check. And we'll get it out to something where a work can be done that's holy. You know why we lose ground? Because money's going out of style to this world. Quit watching that junk. Why do you know about more what's going on in the world, more that's going on in Hollywood, more that's going on in politics, more that's going on in everything than you do about Romans chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. All the verses on how to live holy. Give me some of that. We were talking the other day about, you know, we think we have enough, you know, eggs and meat, livestock, animals, ammunition to survive (laughs) until the enemies show up with more weapons than we have. But in our mind, we're, we're prepared. Okay, fine. Look, I'm all for preparedness. But not at the expense of knowing this book so well that our lives can come in accord with how the Lord Jesus Christ would want us to live because the author of this book, we're in love with more than whoever the author is on the news channel that's trying to buy, get us to buy into all that. Well, you need to know, it. okay, how much of it do you need to know? Simple concerning evil. You really want someone sitting down your kid and explaining to them all the ins and outs of the bad things that people do? I don't. This is what it is. This is bad. This is sinful. Keep an eye out for it. Now let's live our life holy. This is how we live. Why? Because we're ashamed to talk about those things. Same way we get saved, now we're ashamed to talk about the stuff that we used to do. We're not interested in it. We need to live. We need to get convicted about desiring to want to live our lives holy and acceptable unto God, which is, God says, reasonable, reasonable service. Back to Romans chapter six, we'll finish up that verse and then move on to verse 23. In the middle of Romans six twenty-two, it says, you have your fruit unto holiness. It's expected as a, norm, as a normal result of your new man, as your new creature. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God, yea, thy law was written within my heart what is your delight you you go to the same restaurant frequently you know we do guess it's creature of habit or do you go into a new restaurant or or really kind of one you haven't been into a while and you go in there and when you look up on the screen it's a really beautifully lit juicy burger that has these new toppings on it that it's going to give it this new flavor. And you look at that and you're like, oh, I want to try that one. Have you, you ever done that? It's just that new item on the menu that just looks oh so juicy. And so your heart just desires it. And if you're if you're a child, you're, you're just really hoping that mom and dad will say, yes, you can get that. I know it's an extra dollar and a half, but we'll spend it and, and we'll get it. Our hearts are desiring it. You know what I think God's trying to teach us here in Romans chapter 6? Does our heart desire holiness? Do we want to live in such a way that it's just our delight to want to please God? Or it's going to be this. Okay, sit down and eat your asparagus. But I don't want to. Well, you have to. Okay. Mumble, 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 rumble, rumble. And you eat your asparagus. Why? Because you have to. I'm telling you, young people, this morning, you can live any way you want to live when you get old enough. How do you desire to live? Do you desire holiness? Or is it just going to be mom and dad force feeding you rules and restrictions until you get old enough to get out and do whatever you want anyway? I'm not eating these asparagus anymore. I'm getting the juicy burger. I'm not living like this anymore. Can't wait to get out. I'm living how I want. Okay, you're free to do that. But, you know, it's not God's will. It's not God's will. But he's a perfect gentleman. If you want to do that, he'll allow it go ahead. You won't do it without consequence. And you won't do it without regret. Desire holiness. Desire holiness. The last part of that verse says, and the end, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You have two paradoxes because in verse 21, watch what it says. The end of those things is death. See that? Now look at the end of verse 22. Your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The end of sin is death. Horrible thing. Death that never dies and that is contrasted with verse 22 holiness its end is everlasting life and it's interesting that the word everlasting is used here and not eternal both we have but you had a life that was this way you got saved and now you enter into an everlasting life and meaning that it has a start everlasting life but it has no end Now, we have both. We have eternal life that refers to, it goes all the way back this way. There is no beginning and there is no end. But it's interesting, everlasting is used here to denote, okay, you were living this way. Now you've got a starting point on everlasting life where your life is completely different. It is no longer unholy. You live holy. It is no longer ungodly. You live godly. What do you want to do with that? I know what I want to do. I know what I'm asking you to pray for me to do. What do we want to do with that as a church man? Last verse. Well, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. We're a servant of God right now. We don't have a wage coming to us. We've received the free gift. So we're free from sin to live and yield our members as instruments unto God for righteousness. I don't believe it's correctly termed social media. I have a personal conviction that it's not social media. I believe it's asocial media. I believe it's non-social media. And I'll tell you why. Because people can look at pictures online all day and think that that, that's their friends. It's not your friends. You can listen to people online and you can do all of your social scrolling and have that little community of all these people and all these things and all these little groups. And they're trying to get us to not do this. This, by the way, this is called socializing. We're with other people. When we go out, we're with the community. We're trying to be social. This idea of socializing our children means put them in front of a screen and let them scroll all day. Look, I, I'm in front of a screen. All my sermons are saved in the cloud. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's there right? We're in front of streams. But I'm telling you, I want to be as careful as I'm asking you to be careful that we get drawn into this idea. Well, that, yeah, that's certain it's not. It's you they're training you to be non-social. They're training you to just do this and not do this. God help us. God help us. I'm not saying don't use the tools. I'm saying we have to recognize that. Don't spend more hours on social media than you do praying for your church family. I'm not Superman, nor do I want to be. I don't wear my underwear as outerwear and, and run around town, okay? I'm, I, I, <laughs> okay, but I need you to pray for. Me. You need us to pray for you. You all need this side to pray for you. We need to be praying for each other. That's a life that's Christian. they, They ask in Romans 6, in the beginning it says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Why would you continue in a state that you've been delivered from? Nobody would want to do that. Christ paid our debt. Now our now Christ, we have a new life. Christ is our life. You don't have to turn here for the sake of time. I'll read you the verse. 1 John 5. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is where? In his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son hath not life. You've got a life right now that is so far better than the one that you lived before you got saved because it's an everlasting life and it's an eternal life and it's in Christ. That's where your life is hid. This last verse in, in Romans chapter six, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This one verse You've got the truth of the gospel right here. Now stay with me as we, as we go through this. You see where it says the wages of sin is death? We got to stop with this idea that we think we can't let lost people get away with this idea that, well, I'm just going to die. And then the score will be settled. It'll just be added up and weighed in the balances if I did more good than bad. That's why we got to go out and get the gospel out. Why do, we have to need, why do we need to compel them to stop thinking like that? Because they're dead now. They are dead in trespasses and sins right now. They are living. When we go out into the community, unless the people that we see are saved people, they are walking around alive, but they are living in a state of death. That's what it is. And this death sentence is what they are working for. People do a lot of hard work to go to hell. It's hard work to just not believe. It's hard work to just disobey. It's such a simple message and plan of salvation. And death is a horrible employer to have. It's an honest employer. It's going to give you hellish wages. And Job 18, it's reference to the king of terrors. This lost and dying world is living in a state of death. And it's the shepherd that will lead them to their grave. Psalm 49 says, like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. I hope you would put your hand up with me. And say, I want to be used by God to lead someone to Christ because I know the contrast is there's a shepherd of death that wants to lead them to the grave. If you are not saved this morning, the wages of sin is death. You are walking around alive, but you are dead. You are dead in trespasses and sins. You know that funerals are multi million dollar businesses? Even the wording has changed over time. There are no undertakers anymore. It's a funeral director. I don't think they give out death certificates. They call them vital statistic forms. (laughs) It's not a graveyard. Let's create a memorial park. People don't want to think about death. It's not a funeral we're going to. It's a passing of life. We do all that we can do to ignore the fact that it's death. And the wages of sin is death. We spend a lot of money on funerals. It's a very expensive ordeal on this externals. And we're treating this dead person as if they were alive. Stop looking out to this lost and dying world and treating them like they are alive. They are dead in trespasses and sins. Dead, I tell you a culture of God. We must bring truth and light to them. And we spend our money on externals. It's a fancy show. You're not taking nothing with you. I'm not taking nothing with me. The wages of sin is death. People don't die like they used to, in their homes, surrounded by their loved ones, being sent home to glory. Now, we want to go out trying. Tubes in our nose, tubes in our ears, tubes in our eyes, chemo sucked into our veins. We're going to stay as long alive as long as we can. I'm not telling you not use the doctor and get help. I'm not saying all that. What I'm saying is. We spend a lot of money to try to die well. We're already dead. Not we, just this lost and dying world. They're already dead. You can find the best medicine. You can find the highest level surgeon you can find. And you can receive the best hospital technology there is to keep you alive. I am not telling you to not do that. What I'm saying is, there still is going to come a point where we all are going to die. That's all I'm saying. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. You got a dent in your car. whip do. doo Don't spend all your waking hours on all this external stuff. Wages of sin is death, and it's God's judgment on sin. It's what made you and I an enemy of God, but we're saved now. We're reconciled. We're no longer his enemy, but death is not a natural part of life. Well, he just died of natural causes. You know, the military men don't get into a battle and say, well, you know, the enemy's approaching. We are outnumbered. They have more guns than us. Uh, they have more ammunition than us. We're surrounded by all sides plus over overhead. Uh, so just want, let all you men know that this is just a, 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 a natural part of life. Um, so just go ahead and get ready to die. No, it's not natural. The enemy's attacking. We're going to defend ourselves. And we treat death as, it, well, it's just, it's just a natural thing. No, it's an unnatural thing because of sin. That's why sin waged death. And Adam and Eve sinned, and sin entered into the world. And you are part of that lineage. You are dead in your trespasses and sins because of that. It's not normal, the state and condition that you're in. It's abnormal. And you need to be made alive by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will give you everlasting life. He will give you, as a free gift, eternal life. That's the majestic news. We have a gift that is eternal now. Now, a dead body just deteriorates. It doesn't respond. It's completely insensitive to its surroundings. But when you're alive, it is sensitive to taste. It is sensitive to touch. We have been made alive by God. If you are not sensitive to his taste and his his touch, and his nutrition, and what he has for you, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. You're not dead anymore. You're alive. Lastly, I'll say this. We need to stop telling lost people that they have two choices. Don't allow them to get away with thinking, well, it's either you're going to live or die. No, they're dead now. First three chapters of Romans, right went through that. Settle all that. You ask them one question. Ask them one question. Do you want to live? You presuppose in that conversation that you're there. You're you're dead. Do you want to live? Can I show you the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Can show you today how to pass from death to life. You're already dead. I want you to pass from death, the state of death, unto life. And anyone can receive it. If you've not received him this morning, it'd be a great day, be a great day to receive Christ and no longer be dead, but made alive. In Adam all die. But in Christ, your life can be hid with Christ and God and you need to be made alive. Have a new creature. And out of that inward heart, that connection with the outer will start to take place.